Hello and welcome to episode one of A View from the Dugout, um, a new podcast by myself, Chris, from Surreyor and the Budget, and my co-host, Russ, at, at Scotland Surreyor. How are you doing, Russ? Very well, and looking forward to our uh, maiden voyage on A View from the Dugout. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, we've obviously got a lot to talk about today. Um, thanks to Surreyor and Nicholas uh, giving us <laughs> giving us a good you know jump start on our uh, our content this week. Um, just a little bit of background. Obviously, if you follow ourselves on uh, Twitter, I'm at Surreyor on the Budget, and uh, Russ is at Scotland Surreyor. Um, I started with on the Surreyor platform um, a year ago to, today, as this podcast dropping, and. Um, I've, I started with a £300 budget and I've worked it up. I've taken out about just shy of three grand and a gallery worth about six. But that's all been from trading, building up, and it's been quite a long progress um, and ups and downs all along the way, as we all do. Um, and Russ, I think you've got a similar story. Yeah, um, obviously I started on the platform a little bit earlier than yourself um, and introduced yourself and um, you after did. much persuasion. <laughs> um, my account, I think, says December uh, 2020. However, it wasn't until February 2021 that um, I actually started playing. So probably just about a month ahead of yourself. Yeah. Um, on a positive note, that was that was great that we got in that early, but I would probably class both as having just missed the early adopters boat. Yep, agreed. I think I think we're we're probably on the the second ship out <laughs> out the dock, if you want to put it that way. You know, we were we're still very early adopters in terms of that, and I think obviously that has fed into um, success. But also, there's been you know, I know you as a, a as a stats man, as somebody who gets really dug in, and I I've kind of tried to build on that a little bit as well uh, with with my videos on YouTube and things like that as well. And I think um, that's obviously what we're, we're leading to with the podcast is trying to give a real world view, shall we call it? I think that's probably maybe fair. I mean, relatable in terms of, you know, we're, we've both come from, you know, uh, small deposits uh, in comparison to some. And yeah, you might see some bigger cards now in the gallery, but that's taken a year to get to that point for both of us. And um, I think it's, it's important that, you know, the, the less, the lower budget guys, kind of get a, a voice and can maybe get some direction from people who are just like them you know we've you know made no bones about it you know this has changed my life in the last year in terms of things i've been able to do and, and what have you so um we're hoping to share that uh with a bigger audience now on on the podcast so i think it's uh it's gonna be an exciting voyage yeah i think i think you're right chris um obviously i was a again it also probably provides quite a nice comparable in the fact that I know that you started obviously with with three hundred pounds, um, which was probably just the basic uh, amount that you could at that time. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, as you know, I was um, I had a slightly uh, larger amount of disposable money at that point. So in total, my uh, my deposit started with two hundred and fifty pounds, and then after a month, I was able, um, luckily, to put in another thousand pounds. And when I actually established the the growth and the opportunities. Um, primarily of the trading side of the game, as opposed to the, the actual the prize winning and the card side of the game. Um, that's what I suppose probably got my enthusiasm and, and my full attention um, after after many years of probably raising millions and millions of FIFA coins um, to, you know, to, to, to get legends and things. So, yeah, I think 
hopefully what we what we can do in this um, podcast, we're both very active, very active traders. Um, I probably had that extra month um, start at the start of the game uh, ahead of yourself and was very lucky in the fact that I had disposable eth when someone wanted to sell a gallery in its entirety. Um, which was very lucky as I was able to make a, a massive margin on that, which has probably allowed me to grow a little bit faster. But I think given again that, you know, there's there's no early adopters here. We don't sit with cards full of, uh, well, none of us have a unique. We don't have, um, you know, we're not sitting with <laughs> with, with uh, super rares in abundance. You know, I think I've got two or three, but again, I bought, it's I all bought, been... I bought one and panicked and sold it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you I was go. like, get out, get out, you don't belong here. Well, my, my, my one was bought because I had a I had a Scotland flag on it. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's all been um, sort of organic hard work growth, as opposed to plowing lots of money in. And well, that's one of the key things that hopefully that will come across in our podcast, just in relation to some of the the content that we hope to share in future, certainly editions in relation to trading tactics, flipping players, etc, things like that. Yeah, and I think it'll benefit everybody, whether you're playing on uh, playing with the limited cards or you're playing with rare cards, you, you know, or, or above. You know, I think it's it's all scalable. It's all relatable. I've said that on, uh, you know, my YouTube videos and things like that. Um, the reason I set up my Twitter account in the first place was because I couldn't find anybody else that was actually putting out that kind of, you know, content as such, because it was all, you know, they were saying, you know, I remember watching one video and the guys were talking about this card's, you know, a budget card and it was 300 quid. And I was like, that's my entire budget for one card, <laughs> you know? So I'm then starting to dig about in the, you know, the depths of the J League and stuff like that. So no, it's been awesome. And I, I, I it's a journey I'm glad I've been on and I'm glad to still be on. And I, after yesterday's community update, I'm even more, you know, looking forward to, to what, it, you know, what the future holds. In terms of what the future holds, obviously with the podcast going forward, um, today's format is going to be slightly different, um, but going forward, we're going to talk about, you know, the, the news from Surrey in general. You know, if it's, if it's a slow week, it'll be a couple of minutes. If it's a bigger week like this one, it might take a bit longer. Um, but we also plan on looking at, um, you know, a selection of, you know, players to watch that coming game week, um, that kind of thing. Or also, you know, talking about our trading processes, things like that, as Russ has already touched on. And um yeah, I think, and occasionally we might have extraordinarily special guests, but we're not going to mention who or what. Um, but it's not <laughs> going to be. It's uh, it's going to that'll be fun when it comes. And um, yeah, so I think what we could probably do is we could just get started with the. I mean, there's only one place to really start, and that would be the community update that came out on Tuesday. Um, if you've not seen the video from uh, Serer with Nicholas um, in it, that is available on the Serer YouTube page. Um, if you go to YouTube, search for Serer, you will find it. And um, it was about, what, 15 minutes? And I thought it was pretty slick. <laughs> um, yeah. it's, pr it's a little bit slicker than this production might be, but we will we'll hopefully get to something like that one day. But the... Um, there was a lot of big takeaways, um, but what I'll do is I'll throw it to you, Russ, uh, if you want to give us, you know, your initial take on it. I mean, I've got my take, and I think it's probably going to end up, funnily enough, being quite similar. Just for disclosure, we've not actually discussed this beyond a message or two back and forth on Messenger before we've recorded this. So this is going to be a free flow conversation. So we do ramble. We apologize in advance, but hopefully everybody can take something from it. So 
Absolutely. Well, with it being a, a, a PG-rated podcast as well, um, we'll try and keep, uh, try and keep obscenities <laughs> to a minimum. I'll apologise if anything we, in particular I think we can get excites. Away with so, yeah, um, I think like like ever like everything else. First and foremost, it was well overdue. I think the community and the social media community had established it was well overdue. There had been, I think, probably for the first time in the last three four months, there'd been quite an element of. Um, just creeping doubt and maybe some elements of negativity in relation to certain factors um, within social media, which ultimately that can have an impact on the Surayer community in general, but it can also have uh, an impact on Surayer as a business, obviously. Um, Perception and marketing is is, is one of the sort of the biggest hurdles that you have to um, overcome. And obviously I only know that, as you know, from having quite an extensive marketing background myself, but One one of the things that I, I thought immediately was the presentation was slick. It looked good. Um, you know, I had I had a number of people message me to say, you know, are you remembering about it? And of course I was, you know, it was set with a notification. <laughs> so, you know, well, I think there was, I think at one point, I'm sure I was looking, I think there was maybe about between five and 6,000 people watched it live. Yeah. Um, the number certainly increased as I was watching. The production was good, which was a great start. It looked good. It looked as though you were, you know, the similar sort of productions that you would associate with, you know, a, a, let's say a Champions League draw, something like that yeah. at the start. You know, the graphics, the visuals were clear, big, um, you know, they weren't overly complicated, etc. And as we had probably hoped, I think a few of the main topic uh, topics or talking points were covered and the main things that I've got here has probably been the, the main three and I do have five in total but thresholds was a big one there's been lots of talk um, about thresholds thresholds are a really important uh, factor and for anybody that doesn't know a, a threshold basically ultimately it's a it's a point score or a line in the sand that your scoring team has to get to to um, provide you with a reward so at the moment within the game it's 205 points for a lower threshold and 250 points for the, the upper threshold. And the prizes beyond that ultimately are, are your cards, etc. But those are the basics, and they have been providing a, a, an Ethereum payout within the game, which ultimately I think, Chris, you know, it's quite important in the fact that it's providing liquidity. Oh, 100%. I mean, it does. It, it, keeps, the, it keeps the market going because, I mean, I, I had a look at mine just before we came on, and... Um, I've primarily just played, you know, the all-star rare um, or global all-star as it used to be. I've, I've primarily just played that um, for the year and I've earned 0.7 ETH. Now, that's obviously fluctuated over time in terms of what that would be worth. It might have been worth 20 quid at one point. It actually was only worth 12 quid when I started um, for, for the 0.01. Um, was was worth 12 or 13 quid. Um so it's fluctuated over time. So it's actually quite hard to put an, an actual cash value. But if that was today, that is between probably about £1,700 that I've won in threshold payments. And that's just for hitting 205 The way I always look at the thresholds, that's a competition with myself and my selection abilities. I'm not yeah. up against anybody else's gallery to try and win that. I'm up against oh. my own and my own selections. And that's the way I've always looked at it. And it's the way I've always tried to explain it to people. You're not in a battle with anybody else other than yourself and your five cards that you're playing with. And uh, 
I've always looked at it that way. But like you say, I mean, the mention and the fact that they're going to, they're staying in the game and there'd been a lot of speculation and people outright saying that it was going to stay, uh, it was going to go, sorry. And I never felt like it was going to go. And if they did just play, they did take it away, it was going to be replaced with something of a similar value. It was never going to go away altogether. Um, but pegging it to the, the dollar, um, I can understand. Um, it's not going to be as high, you know, all the time as what it has been, but $25 for hitting the 205 points and $50 for hitting the higher. I mean, it's about what, 20 quid and 40 quid if we're talking pound value? I don't think 19 it's 19 and 38 that. at the moment, yeah. Yeah, so so we're not, we're not far off of, of, of so we'll just we'll round it to 20 and 40, you know, just to keep it yeah. simple. Um, but I think that, that's a huge positive. If you're putting in a, you know, a 300 pound team and you're getting 40 quid back, you know, you're covering what 12%, 13% of getting your money back in one game week. So it's, it's a huge positive that they're staying in there. Um, yeah, that but, was one of my first first takes, Chris, in the fact yeah. that the thresholds, you know, it's providing the liquidity. And I've, you know, as you know, I've played um, other football related games, including, you know, foot stock, football index at, you know, quite, quite a, quite a high level, um, probably nearer being one of the, one of the whales in football index <laughs> many years ago. Um, but yeah, obviously having, having seen that, the liquidity in the market to allow people to keep on transacting, but also to keep their interest is, mm-hmm. is, is so key. So the thresholds was one of the points I'd picked up on that I thought was um, was really good. Um, it was, I think it was positive news for the, for the community. Yep. And it gave the people that haven't been winning cards, so the lower end or, you know, 70% probably of the game that haven't won more than three three cards, mm-hmm. um, it gives them something to still continue playing for and aspire to and to improve upon. Um, the second point and the third point that I'll quickly pick them up on, the Legends Utility, absolutely essential. I don't hold any Legends cards myself, but, you know, it's been a case of I've seen so much noise about it, quite rightly so, on mm-hmm. social media regarding the utility. These cards were sold, would it be about six months ago now? It's got to, it's got to be something like that. I mean, did they not come before the, the Limiteds or was it just after the Limiteds or it was right around the same time, which would be about August? I think it was roughly about the same time that yeah. baby Jesus was born, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's the thing. Feels as though it's been forever. They, they, made the, they made the announcement on the video uh, on Tuesday saying that they were going to have the utility starting. And, I mean, the, the, the details of the utility is exactly the same as what they did when they launched them. They just never switched them on. And, um, you know, it's almost, it was almost a case of, you know, I would say mis-selling because you, you're selling people something they can't use. But then again, mm-hmm. is it any different from buying a, an ape? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's probably not. Um, but it's, you know, the, uh, finally they're going to have utility and they're, and I, I think that's, you know, it's massive for the people that spent money on them, you know, actual cash money on them. Uh, you know, like a week's wage for me on one of these cards and they're, they've not been used, able to be used for six months. I think one of the key things for me, Chris, was that when I when I looked at the legends, and obviously, you know, you're looking at the legends are for for many people that are within the game that are certainly in the sort of over thirties category or the over forties category, like like myself. And I don't know how you're talking. You know, you're looking yeah. at that. You know, absolutely. <laughs> um, a lot a lot of those players though, they, they were our heroes, and there's a desirability just because you know you've you've grown up watching them at yeah. you know yeah. World Cups in the eighties or whatever, etc. But Obviously, without having any use, I think there was quite a bit of discontent 
and it was growing discontent. Now, incidentally, obviously, before <laughs> before we um, realised that this was going to be uh, this pod, the, the original script probably ripped up. One of the things I had actually looked at, and I'll go into a little bit more depth later, was obviously was Legends Utility and, a, you know, an idea around it, which it's not a million miles away from what's actually rolled out, uh, but it is slightly different. But mm-hmm. Legends for me was obviously one of the big pickups uh, and takes from yesterday. And another one which I suppose has probably got a mixed view is the switch to no common use of goalkeeper or no common cards in SO5 for your rare teams. Yeah. So as we know, there are there are many, many players that are using that commonly packed Neuer or Allison um, as their goalkeeper and four red rares to hit thresholds, to occasionally contest cards. We've seen it, you know, we've seen some really good, good wins with uh, people. Um, and I suppose there's the argument, there's 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 the two ways of the argument. The one you've got these people now starting to panic, and we've seen that yesterday. Um, which obviously we can touch on in a little bit, but we've seen that yesterday within the actual secondary market. And there was an element of panic, but there was also an element of, I suppose, people that have been playing with rare goalkeepers that have spent a lot of money on them mm-hmm. saying, well, you know, this this is probably the way it should be. Should I be getting outscored by someone that's had the fortune to to get a, you know, a Manuel Neuer that gets you, you know, 75 points or 70 points near enough every week, less he's 40%. Yep. And I think I think that's that's probably been um, the thing I've seen most uh, mentioned on on Twitter has been because all my content has always been around threshold teams and building them up and things like that. Um, my first take on that though was, unless your goalkeeper keeps a clean sheet, you're only going to be scoring between. 10 and 20 points, depending on how well that keeper actually does in terms of getting a few saves or whatever. I've had goalkeepers that, you know, concede one goal because they play for, like, I've got I've got the uh, Salzburg goalkeeper. And if he concedes a goal, he's probably not going to have a save to go with that in the game because they're only conceding, you know, two or three shots per match. Two of them go wide yeah. and one goes in. He's got no points. And... Um, then he, you know, with, you know, the deductions and things like that, I'm probably only going to come out with like 15 or 16 points. Now that might stop me getting to the, the 250, but it shouldn't stop being able to get to the 205, I don't think. And um, obviously the 205 being the lower threshold. The great thing is though, and, and this is what I've been trying to say to people, this isn't coming into play for four months. Yeah. You know, you've got um, April, May, June, July, to keep winning thresholds at the ETH value, which is going to be slightly higher just now, just because of the way the market is, the crypto market is. And you could, you know, if you're pulling in the 0.01 or the 0.02 every week or every other week, you can build yourself up, you know, what, 0.2 over the course of a 16-week period, you know, to, to put towards getting a goalkeeper. And even in the interim, you could still be going for the lower thresholds with a... I, I does not play a goalkeeper, you know, a DMP goalkeeper. There are, you know, and immediately, you know, everybody was punting them and people were buying them at 60, 70, 80 quid a piece. And then I went on last night and they were down to 26 quid. It was always going to be that initial, oh God, oh God, oh God, because that's what happens every time. And it's not just on Serena, it happens in, you know, we see we used to see it in FIFA. You know, we would see like, oh, there's a marquee matchup comes up and you had to have certain players from certain teams 
And all, all of a sudden, the two of us are doing the same thing because we used to be super competitive with our transfer profit. <laughs> and um, we would be like, oh, I've got 10 of them and I'm selling nine of them and I'm putting one into a challenge. It's the same thing. It's, it's just human nature to, to fear that you're going to miss out. And um, I think if people, you know, once they've actually had a chance to properly digest it, sit back and take stock of it, you, you, you can buy a, a, a does not play goalkeeper. But my advice would probably be buy one that has, you know, if you can, buy one that's got a slight potential. And, you know, the, I seen one yesterday. It's the backup goalkeeper. I used to have him. He's for one of the Turkish teams. And um, he would have played, but for he had COVID at the same time as the goalkeeper got suspended. Um, but, you know, as soon as he would have played, his value went up and you could sell him. Or, you know, that's what we've both done, Russ. Haven't we? We've both capitalised on having a goalkeeper, yeah, just... a backup goalkeeper that we've sold because he got a start and, you know, people buy them. Um, and yeah. I think... I think that's what my advice would be to do is look at the J League, look at the MLS, look at who the backup goalkeepers have been. And if you could pick one of them up for sub, you know, depends on what your budget is, but if you're picking them up for 30, 40, 50 quid, because we've done that, we did that last season with some of the cards. If you could pick one of them up cheap enough and they become, you know, the first team goalkeeper, I mean, Cleveland, uh, the, the, the goalkeeper was at Cleveland from uh, Seattle last season. Ended up, being, Cleveland, yeah. Yeah, ended up getting a run of games because the, the main keeper went out. It happens. So, you know, I would be, I'd be looking at just getting yourself a, a backup DMP goalkeeper and running with that until you can afford to get a goalkeeper if that's your plan. Um, but on the flip side, um, I can understand why people are now looking at, you know, looking at the limited leagues with the announcement with, you know, some of the specialist leagues coming in and things like that. I could understand why people would be looking at those because those are actually, the, the specialist leagues actually coming with an opportunity to win star rare cards. And you've got a realistic chance of doing it because you can only have, I mean, this one that's sitting in there this week, you can only have one card over a 60 rating for the last 50. And you've got to have two under 40 from the last, uh, from the last uh, from the last 15. So you've got to have, it's not going to be world beater teams. Anybody's team could win that feasibly. So there's there's scope for progression and scope for moving on, I think. So just my take on it, really. Yeah, I think just picking up on what you said, you know, there's, there's six, 16 weeks, but that's also 32 game weeks, yeah. which, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to uh, to win, um, whether it's even, the, you know, the, the 10 or the 20. And ultimately, what they're doing is they're not stopping anybody actually, you know, playing the, playing the rare as such. They're only taking away the, the the ability to use that common card. So there are many there are many teams that will have reached the threshold. And I, I've done it myself, where I had an unexpected two unexpected do not plays just a few weeks ago, and I hit the threshold with three players. Yeah, like everything else, um, I think there's a progression sort of route in relation to the three or four players that you'll be using ultimately to try and hit that and to keep hitting it on a sort of regular basis. But ultimately, like, you know, we're like we're seeing, you can buy a, a number two or a, you know, a backup goalkeeper. Um, you know, I, I, I myself have bought quite a few and I, I bought a few in the early days when I was hit with the, the three keepers that I had at the very start of the game that all lost their place. I think I've mentioned it before on a few, on, on, on I think one of your, your videos, but, you know, had three three playing keepers. All of a sudden, every one of them lost their shirt unexpectedly, and I started buying backup goalkeepers. And a couple of the keepers that I bought, for example, were Etienne Vassen, 
um, that plays obviously in the in the Eredivisie, and I picked up. I had two or three of them that were picked up for at that point thirty ETH, which was about sixty seventy pounds. And uh, uh, just just just, for, just on that point, it doesn't actually mean thirty ETH. Um, that's after the decimal points. It's yeah, yeah. Of, so point zero three. <laughs> yeah. zero. All of a sudden, Russell's just outed himself as a whale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No apologies. That's uh, yeah. That, our, our our own personal yeah, terminology like, coming yeah. into things there. But yeah, zero point um, zero three ETH for you know a, a keeper of um, that clearly was a number two at that point. And um, I'd read a few articles in relation to. Um, you know, and translated a few articles in relation to the possibility of him maybe getting an opportunity. And we knew, you know, we'd both known, obviously, because the chap that they signed to contest him had played at Hearts in Scotland. Um, and Joel Pereira, who, you know, on face value, you're looking, thinking, ex-Man United youth um, should be a great keeper. And he came up to Scotland and he was an absolute disaster. Hearts shipped goal after goal and he had no confidence. He you know, just a young player and, you know, you kind of feel sorry for him at the, to an extent But in relation to that. But he was slated in the Scottish media. And I'm looking, thinking, you know, you've got Marciano that's went over to Firenood, who's a much superior keeper. Um, I've no idea what kind of wages they're on. But, you know, Joe Pereira went over there as a relatively marquee signing for um, for that team. And I'm looking, thinking, I know what keeper I would rather have in the, in the sticks um, or the goal, uh, as we should say, <laughs> um, if you're uh, not from Scotland. However, you know that's just an example. Uh, he was what he was one of the keepers that had identified. So, you know, my my advice to anybody that's kind of panicking would be, you know, look at the look at the number twos, look at the number twos that are actually that are actually on the bench. You know, yeah. validate that by you know looking at any team. You can Google any team, and it'll bring you up their last lineups with the last three four matches, and try and find a bit of consistency. I know it's a little bit harder due to the the COVID scenario that we're living through at the moment. That you know players are you know dropping like flies every so often if they fail a test or you know get a a, a few positives or whatever like that in relation to their tests. But if you can establish who a, who a genuine number two, because most most teams, as we know, run with three, sometimes four keepers, including a youth keeper. And it, I think that's a really important factor. So not too much to panic about. On face value, initially, I thought it looked that I think there would have been a, an element of gulp and you could almost, in the way that Nicholas addressed it, um, he almost apologised for mm. an, delivering the announcement. You felt that within the, within yeah, the video. Yeah, yeah. And it, I suppose from a, a marketing perspective, it was delivered quite early into the, the video of the, I think it was 12, 13 minutes in total, and that was delivered early in. So it was like, here's the slight sucker punch. But then obviously after that, he delivered all the positives. Um, yeah. all, think, all the positives after that. I think I think that's the thing. I mean, if, you're, if you are a threshold player, you know, somebody that is always going into the, the rare threshold leagues, I think that's, to bear in mind, you know, you're really looking at all you are looking at is losing is probably between 10, 20 points in a week. And yeah, that might hurt you for the top one, but it is still doable. As Russ said, you know, there was a couple of weeks ago, because I keep an eye on his uh, details on Serial uh, Data app <laughs> and uh, check what his, um, you know, what his scores have been and things like that. And I did see that, you know, three and it was, it was hitting the, you know, it was, he was getting the threshold. So uh, that is, that is the end. I mean, obviously if you're a newcomer, You've still got that avenue open to you to play in the the rare leagues, but you can probably play more so now. You know that I think for the first time since since the limited cards came out, this might actually be a time where I 
dabbled back into it again to look at playing in some of the specialist leagues and things like that. And um, and I think that might be a way that I look at, you know, progressing my team. Because if the, the top three are winning star rare cards and that's your Mbappes, your Haaland's and, you know, it's, it's the huge cards and that that's that could be life-changing money for playing with the limited cards. And I, I think that might be something that I have to look at over the next, you know, few weeks once I kind of readdress my balance and things like that. But I mean, in terms of, um, I suppose, just following up, um, yeah, just following up in terms of the 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 new leagues. I like to say the 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 underdog one was one that I think is quite interesting as well because you can't you can't actually play the uh, underdog league with anything over an average of forty for the last fifteen. So that opens up the scope again. I think that makes it you know in any given Sunday scenario where literally anybody could win that, and it's the same with the specialists. You know you can't have anybody over. You can have one over 60 for the last 15. And I, I think that opens the game up hugely. Um, and it's not just going to be, you know, a league where you're up against a team that's got, you know, Mbappe, Tony Cruz, um, you know, some some monster players in it. It is going to open it up so that more people like us can actually win those type of cards. And I think that's, I think that's progress. I really do. And as I say, I think probably for the first time, I've actually felt like playing in that limited league, um, the specialist one certainly might be an avenue that I, you know, pursue. Um, I don't know how you're looking at them now, Russ. I know you've been, obviously we were both well entrenched in the rare market. um, And, you know, I don't think the limiteds worked the way they were meant to work, (laughs) you know, as a a cheaper avenue for people to come in because now they're kind of where the limited, the rare prices were this time last year when I started. So, yeah, I think um, just picking up on that, as you know, I've I've never been a fan of the limited market at all, and I've I've never, you know, on my own social through the Scotland Surreal, etc. I've never pushed them, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was a little bit sceptical when they first came out. I, I appreciate that Surreal had to try and find a, a bridge between the entry level of rare um, and the entry level of you, you know playing a 20 quid buy-in for a fantasy football game, yeah, you know. totally. Um, I think for me, and as you know, I when there was all the talk of the progression bar, yeah. I got myself, I think it was 10, 10 limiteds at once. Uh, for, you know, for MD that hasn't seen or hasn't visited sort of my gallery, for example, I run with about 100 cards, which has been built up from that, you know, £250 and then, a further £2,000 in total invested, which is now thankfully all safely out along with an extra few thousand. But ultimately I am playing, I am playing for free um, now with, with no risk attached. When I say no risk, that's, that's not strictly true because obviously if the platform closed its doors tomorrow, I'd be gutted at the fact. Yeah. Stake free is a, is a great description. Um, but within that hundred cards, I think, you know, I, I've probably got a couple of, a couple of blue super rares that have, um, that have been bought cheap, you know, they're not expensive. The limiteds that I did have, I had a playing keeper, etc. Um, again, you know, because of the the volume of cards, I've always been sort of reluctant, I think would be the word, to maybe potentially what I seen was a, a race to the bottom. You know, could these cards hold their value over the long term and can they? Um, 
I'm not fully convinced if I'm if I'm being honest on the podcast, which I'll always try and try and be rather than just pay pay lip service to either the brand in case they listen or, you know, Nicholas, you know, if he perhaps maybe once tunes in, et cetera, you know, I think I'd rather be honest. And Could, could you, you imagine know, him trying to understand their accents for this yeah, length, of, for this length we, of a podcast? No happening. No happening. Prob- <laughs> probably. <laughs> To be to be to be fair, any anyone south of the border of, of, of Scotland or, yeah, or in mainland definitely. Europe should probably um, request that we put subtitles on the next ones. However, um, one of the big things for me with the limited was I, I just didn't really see the value, and I, initially for me, it wasn't a, a route that I wanted to go down. Like you, I may revisit it depending on the competitions. I think the announcement on both the specialist league. Um, and the underdog league, um, I think they're interesting. I think it will also stimulate an element to an uh, to an extent. Sorry, I think it will stimulate a couple of markets again. Yeah. The what I what I do like, and I, I'm really really pleased for the holders. As I said earlier, was the the legends challenge. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked up on it. However, I, I think in um, the community update, it was stated that the player would obtain the highest score from yeah. that position. So yeah. that's very specific. If it's, say, for example, you're holding the Casillas card at Real Madrid, then you're going to obviously get Real Madrid goalkeeper yeah. score. However, if you're holding, say, for example, um, you know, Zanetti at Inter or Ronaldo at PSV, for example, as mm-hmm. a forward, then it could be, just purely as an example, it could be, you know, Brian Linson's score or, you know, or some, somebody along those lines, lines or, you know, yeah. Zavi or, you know, one, one of these guys that's, that's playing. So that's quite interesting in the fact that it seems to be wanting to reward with the highest score. Um, what I had thought that they were going to do, and initially for, for our very first pod, had this not obviously been the topic of conversation, one of the things I was looking to do was obviously try and uh, highlight an idea for Legends Use. And what I thought was the biggest the biggest drawback for me in Serer has been, for example, the last couple of weeks, we've been twiddling our thumbs, international utility. And I thought all the legends are international footballers and attached to a country. Mm-hmm. What I had kind of hoped and probably thought they might do was in the, when there's more of a downtime in the market, both the trading market um, and obviously the actual the gameplay where the, the user base that can actually play is less, I thought they might peg it or link it to, say, for instance, internationals. Yeah. I wasn't 100% sure how the mechanics of that would work, but, for example, say, if you're holding a Cruyff card and you had placehold, a placeholder, like what they've done with it can take one of the five spots, if that had been the case, um, I expected maybe to see something like that where Cruyff could take, for example, one of the five spots, and if Netherlands, for example, scored three, there'd maybe be a percentage bonus of, you know, say 50% if they'd scored three yeah. goals. If they scored two goals, it was 25. Um, if they scored one goal. The reason I like that, as opposed, and just in comparison to the model that they appear to be rolling out, was purely for the fact that international weeks are still relatively, um, you know, they're dead. The marketplace has been pretty slow the last couple yeah. of weeks. and. You'll have heard that on the same, you know, we read social media. We're both contacted a lot on social media. It, that's the thing. It, it breeds, you know, it breeds people to run away with themselves because they've got nothing else to do. <laughs> this, yeah. this, you know, because, you know, Serer does end up taking up a huge chunk of your, your time if you're, you're playing it the way that we do. And for that to suddenly be, you know, taken away because there's no games that week, I'm dreading the World Cup. 
Um, you know, I'm dreading the World Cup because that's going to be a long time with all the leagues. You know, I don't, I don't know if there is any that are still continuing to play under those circumstances. Obviously, there's, there's going to be new licenses and everything between now and then. Scope to pick up players, especially even on the limited versions and things like that, to allow us to play. But I think, yeah, the, the, the there's obviously I had talked about you know new gameplay modes and things like that, and I think that more as things evolve. The one thing I think we've lost track of um, as a whole is this is still very, very, very early in the journey for Syria. Um, you know, we, we are, even people that are coming on now, you know, this is still, you know, if they, if they rolled out the Premier League, all of a sudden they could pull in easy another, you know, 100,000 overnight um, onto the platform. And those 100,000 are going to be competing for the same pool of cards that the current 100,000 that have got own cards are fighting for. So it, it will, you know, it, I think there, there'll be, there will be things going forward that they'll, they'll have to look at to try and keep people entertained over that time period, you know, international breaks. And um, obviously the World Cup, I think, I don't know what the plans will be, but I certainly think there will be some. And, um, but yeah, no, I think that was, that was a lot of things that I took from it. And I love, you know, I love, the fact that, like you say, the legends are getting more utility and being able to use, and if they could find a way to link them to internationals, um, I, you know, more power to, you know, anybody that has them, um, because, you know, obviously that would increase the, the value of those cards, eh? So they may um, well do so now after. Well, that's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the one, the one other thing, um, just to kind of briefly touch on was the um, appearance that uh, Nicholas had on the, the Joe Pompliano podcast. Um, I sent you the link for that one. Um, was that Tuesday that came out? That was Tuesday. It was before the, it was before the update. And um, I seen somebody in the community on Twitter had been posting about it. So I went on and listened to it whilst I was painting my bedroom in preparation for the, uh, the baby's arrival. And um I was getting the bedroom all painted and everything yesterday and um, I was listening away to it and there was a lot of really, there was a lot of business orientated stuff, you know, actually talking about the company, you know, and the background as opposed to what we see on the surface in the game. Um, but also, I mean, there was also some fluff in there, you know, there always is in these kind of, you know, interviews and things like that. Um, the things I always take away from it is Nicholas comes across really well in all these, especially for a second language. Um, I certainly wouldn't be doing the same presentations in French. Um, but, you know, there was, th there was one thing that stuck out and it was something we briefly touched on before we came on. And it was Nicholas had mentioned there'd be 1.5 million people had signed up, but then mentioned a 70% retention rate. And... Unless, you know, those numbers don't match up to the SO5s, be it the Common League or the Casual League um, or any of the other leagues combined. It doesn't, it doesn't you know, marry up to that, uh, those figures. And um, it was just an interesting one, Russ, because obviously, I mean, we, we both worked, the reason we met was, you know, we worked in the phone shop. So we're very familiar with, you know, churn and retention. But 1.5 million uh, managers, thoughts? <laughs> I was a bit lost um, by that one. Yeah, like you, obviously, um, have listened to the, the the second podcast, and like you say, it was a different take on things. It wasn't primarily from the football perspective as such. This was more about the sort of digital entrepreneurial um, sort of uh, perspective. From that's certainly the way that I took it. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
like you, um, picked up on a couple of main points from that. Um, the 1.5 million users, a 70% retention, I think we worked out it was like 1 million and 50,000, something yeah. like that. Um, there are certainly not 1 million managers playing Surreal no. on, a, on, on a weekly basis. You, we, we grabbed some quick numbers that I managed to scribble down. Um, when you started the game, roughly uh, 30th of March, 31st of March, 2021, I think I've got here that there were 13,500 managers had, at that point, it would have been a rare card or more. Limited was not introduced, so it was a, yeah. one rare card or more. And there were only 1,400 managers, this is a year ago, that had 25-plus yeah. um, cards. We are now in a position with the latest sorts of rare data figures that we've got that there are 112,000 managers with one card or more, and that's of any scarcity. Yeah. Does that mean there are 900,000 people that have signed up or logged in or completed the process of joining that are sitting with not not a single card? Yeah. I for me, I find that hard to believe, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you know, that's a, that's an astronomical number, 900,000 users. Maybe I'm, inter you know, misinterpreting the data. Maybe. Yeah. Just again, to give you a context, uh, so to play the game. And, you know, you would, you would like to think, and we had a bit of a giggle about this, and the fact that there will be people that are sitting with two rares and three limited, probably, yeah. and can't put out any teams, however. Yeah. You know, five or more cards, which was the minimum um, the statistic that, that we were able to sort of take from the data. Yeah. There's 72,000 managers have five or more cards. So you're, you, to me, you're, you're looking at that going, okay, there's five, uh, 72,000 people that can put out teams on a weekly basis, whether they choose to or not. And then there's 10 or more cards, was I think it was just over 44,000 yeah. um, managers. Yeah. Those numbers, though, they, that's tens of thousands. And the... You know, the number that was kind of presented and, you know, it's been presented on a few figures. I think it was actually presented on the start of the, the video on YouTube as well. 1.5 million registered users. Yeah. So there's a conversion challenge there for Nicholas. If, um, if there are one and a half million registered accounts or email addresses, um, you know, in that second uh, podcast, there were he was asked the question in relation to um, capital investment. So obviously there's been a lot about that. We all know about it. We're not aware to obviously go over old ground here yeah. in relation to the, the, the recent Blackpool. But, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things that he again expanded on was um, that it has to be a natural person. Yeah. But that the money can come from another source. Yeah, they basically said like, they couldn't, they couldn't, uh, it'd be almost impossible to track where that was coming from. Um, because, you know, obviously with it being all in the crypt, you know, in the blockchain, it would be extremely difficult to track down, to figure out, you know. But then again, I mean, if if you gave me £500 in real life and I put that £500 onto Surreya... No, I'd be a fool! No, no, yeah, well, you would be a fool. Um, but no, no, nobody would know that that had happened. Do you know what I mean? No. And in essence, you know, when, when you know, just to take a spin on it, my account, the Serrera on the Budget account, and I've been transparent about that from day one. Louise, my partner, put £100 in. My son put £100 in, and I put £100 in. So we're three ways on this account. So we, you know, I run it. It's in my name. 
but the money did come from three sources. But it's not the same. It's not one point five million pounds worth of cash transferring overnight. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit different. But um, is that any different to the fact that I deposited from a joint bank account with my wife? Um, it's a joint. You know, it's yeah. It's, I mean, it's both our wages get paid in there. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, it's, it's maybe a grey area because then what if your missus wanted to sign up and you use the same card? Absolutely. There is a grey area there, I guess. Eh? So, um, you mentioned, um, I don't know if you picked up on it, Chris, you mentioned at the end of it that obviously that, um, you know, when he's seen that, that, that it was basically different games with different resources was his words. Um, I wasn't sure quite how to pick up on that. However, one of the things he did say was that you cannot pull cards. So I, yeah. I, you know, say me and you coming together and going, oh, right, well, I'll just send you all my cards this week. And obviously that makes sense. You know, we, we don't want to see that happen, et cetera, yeah, and things not. like that. He picked up on that. I don't know if you picked up on it as well. A couple of things. Obviously he was talking about the expansion, et cetera. And he didn't specifically mention any sport other than he did mention baseball, which, he mentioned baseball you know, obviously you've got things like uh, NBA Top Shot and things out there on the NFT market, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, I suppose, from an American perspective, the first things I thought he would mention would maybe be NFL and NBA, but it was actually the baseball that got mentioned in relation to Fantasy, fantasy baseball in the states is monstrous. One of my one of my mates when I was younger, he played baseball here in the UK. He played for the Edinburgh team because that was the closest one to him, and um, he played fantasy baseball. I remember him getting me to like join a league, and I haven't the first clue. I've I mean I could barely remember playing rounders at school, let alone baseball. Um, and he got us to come to one session, and somebody got a hit in the head with a ball, and that was enough for me to go nut. Nah, I'm not playing. Um, but the it's it's it is a sport where you know they've got so many teams and so many players that you know that would be a feasible one. How that how that format would work, I, I'm not 100 percent sure because obviously there's games daily, so I don't know what they would class. You know, it's not probably wouldn't follow the same format as our uh, you know current incarnation of Serie. Uh, uh, but I think you know I th- I think a lot of people will say the same. You know. Could we not get this one right properly before we move on to other sports? Um, but from that token, they've proved they've got a proven um, you know model now for fantasy sports and ownership of any you know of your cards, and somebody else will come along and do the same. You know, if they don't go and start opening up these other channels they might lose the market for the, and the opportunity and the American fantasy sports market with, you know, whatever Andy wants to say about American sports and things like that, the, the American fantasy sports market is monstrous, absolutely monstrous. And it, it would probably dwarf some of our gambling uh, markets. It's, it's honestly, it's enormous. And I think it, it just shows where, you know, the mindset is, and I, I, the one thing that I would, uh, you know, come back to was he did mention was the communication, and I, I, I took that as a big thing because it, a it was an admission, but b a, he did try to play off like communications being key, communications being key, when in actual fact we hadn't had any for a long time, and yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, that you know going forward, as he mentioned on the the update, and in the you know the podcast um, that. That was a big thing now, you know, to really focus on. And I think that has to be. And I, if there was anything else other than, you know, the, the gameplay changes, the biggest thing has to be 
sticking to that communication update because if they don't, the, the all that will happen is we'll fall into the same situation. I mean, the market literally ground to a halt for about seven days. As soon as they made an announcement, the, the, and things was the thing, they never said it was an announcement. They said it was a, a community update. And everybody's like, oh, what's the big announcement? There was never going to be one. It was always an update to what the gameplay was going to be, things like that. It wasn't like an earth-shattering announcement. It, this, this was the... They never said it was going to be... They never said it was going to be YouTube Live, which other people ran away with. They never said a lot of things. People read what they want to read and believe what they want to believe. And unfortunately, some people feed into that. So, um, but yeah, no, I thought it was a very good podcast. I thought if if you haven't listened to it, um, if you search um, on Spotify for... uh, It's the Joe Pomp show, I think it came up as. um, You'll find it. And it's it's well worth a listen. Um, You know, you'll get quite an insight to the business side of things. And just actually before, just well, that was the last thing that I wanted to mention on that one was the, um, for me anyway, I, obviously I'll throw it open again, but the last thing for me to mention on that one was he talked about the licenses with the different leagues and how, and, and Joe asked him how they, you know, how did they pay the leagues and the clubs? And it sounds a lot like some of these license agreements, not only are they paying a fee, uh, up front, you know, for the rights to that league, they're also paying every single time a card is transferred on the secondary market to these leagues or clubs. Now, it might not be every one. It might be, you know, different agreements with different clubs, but they are paying a fee every time. And that's something that um, I wasn't necessarily aware of, and I don't think an awful lot of people were aware of. And he did mention in that podcast that there will be, be uh, a fee for transfers on the secondary market coming soon. Um, now, he said in the coming weeks, so that might be for the next update we get from them, that there might be something like that announced on there. Um, and I think if they're paying the fees, we've never had to pay a gas fee. We've never had to, you know, and I could, if you're on OpenSea, every single time you buy something, OpenSea are taking 2.5% of that. Um, and that's you know, I, I could see it being something like that. But to me, I totally expected that when I joined the platform. Do you know what I mean? I think that's something I expected to be part of any model, you know, that you have to cover your costs. And um, But all that will happen is people will just, if, if I'm wanting 100 quid for a card and it's now going to cost me, you know, £2.50 to transfer that card, guess what? My card's costing £102.50. And I think that's where where a lot of people will do it. They'll just adjust, you know, people will adjust their prices to compensate for that. And I, I, I took that as one of the biggest takeaways um, of information I didn't necessarily know about Severe and obviously the, the licensings. I don't know if that was something that you'd thought about as well, Russ. Yeah, just again, I've got just like in my notes from from listening to it, he's, you know, he explained the, the key metrics for the company and retention was the one. And, you know, we've I suppose we've arguably sort of questioned the, the sort of the bigger numbers there, et cetera, which, you know, we, we may find out a little bit more in the, in the next coming weeks. Um, the trading volume is a key metric for them as well. They, they, they need ultimately they need uh, you know the new auction market to to continually do well we yeah. i picked up and had a little look just in relation to um 
obviously the money that's brought in through through the the, the auctions etc that, that that's what ultimately helps pay for the prizes and i did a little bit of research as you know just in relation just to yeah. the last three or four game weeks and the players hitting the the sort of the threshold the numbers etc and you know i think in game week 254 there were just under five and a half thousand managers hit 0.02 now that's 110 eth in you know, then you can obviously translate that into the, um, you know, the currency of your choice. But that was 110 ETH paid out in threshold payments for the 0.02 alone. You can probably add another two and a half, three thousand, maybe that have scraped above, maybe maybe more. I didn't I didn't go that far down into the data um, for the 0.01. That obviously was a, a relatively sort of heavier week. Um, but some of the other weeks around it, you know, you've got 790 managers last week um, hit the one of the, the thresholds, the minimum threshold of which I think there was about 350 hit the, the upper. And that's on a, a really quiet international right, week. Yeah. A couple of the other weeks, 253 and 252, you're talking sort of 1,100 one week, 4,000 the other week. That was just both for the 0. 0.02. But that, you know, that's adding up. That's, you know, 25 ETH, 80 ETH. There's a lot of prize money getting paid out, which I think we sometimes, the reward structure needs needs work. We, you know, that was picked upon within the first video as opposed to the, the, the second one. But I think what we have to remember is it's a business. It has to remain profitable. Yeah. There'll be many people um, within the Surreal community that were in the Football Index community, which sat and watched um, marketing plan after marketing plan where, you know, at one point there was a times six multiplier for dividends. So, you know, the dividends were paid out on um, players scoring or assisting, you know, and you were paid for every share you held out and it wasn't sustainable. And then obviously that went tits up as it did for the, the, the use of a phrase and lots of people were burned. So if it means that the business model is sustainable that they can use them, utilize the money, hopefully sensibly, to mass to market and to mass market. Bear in mind, the more users that come on, if you're in a marketplace, whether it's limited, super rare, rare, these people ultimately have to buy their card one of two places. One, if they're patient from the auction house. If they're not patient, which is like me, you're having to buy it from the secondary market, which is resulting in the earlier you've adopted, the more chance you've probably got of ultimately making you know, sort of more consistent, substantial profits. Yeah. So there's there's that way to look on it as well, that new users, okay, it can on one side of the, the, the coin, it looks as, oh God, that's more competition to win prizes with. Let's hope that the rewards are made like genuinely dynamic. Not yeah. let, let's yeah. not say, let's not say they're dynamic rewards and then it's 600 cards every single week. That's not dynamic. That's not dynamic. So let's not beat about the bush. Um, but if, they, if the card structure, which was again mentioned in the first video, has made it, then that would probably make sense to me. And again, that picks up probably within the liquidity on um, Joe's podcast. Yeah. The other thing that I've got just noted um, in relation to that podcast was, again, like you said, I picked up on the fact that there would be a secondary market fee. I didn't actually hear where he said the timeline, to be honest with you, but... Yeah. That opens up a can of worms for probably another future podcast, just in bearing in, in, in mind at the time we've been on here today. But, you know, there's lots of things that that could be variants and, you know, not to sort of surmise as such, but is that going to be a percentage of the, the ETH transaction? Bearing in mind, you know, you can send cards just now to each other with no ETH 
transfer and it's card for card. So how does that card then become valued? There are also ways of, you know, what's to stop someone saying, well, okay, um, I want to buy your card and uh, there's... 300 quid in your PayPal. You know, how do they police that? So we've got, obviously that's, that's you know, content for another day. Imagine, eh? But yeah, in, in, in truth, the market, um, sorry, the, not the market, the audience that was probably targeted for that podcast wasn't the sort of, in my eyes, the sports or the football um, or the surveyor community related. Yeah. This was the business community, both from uh, a sort of an American and a, a, and a European perspective to an extent. But this was obviously going to be lots of different sets of ears that would be listening to this. And ultimately, it it can surely only be beneficial to the NFT market and the the actual, you know, the the current game managers, if you want, if that's what you want to call us. But certainly the gallery owners um, as it stands. So that's pretty much all I've got um, got on this. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, to be honest, the last two things I've got to quickly touch on, just because um, I'm conscious that we've kind of hit where we're time that we were, <laughs> we were looking to do, and I don't want to keep anybody too long on the podcast. But um, the the final two things were one uh, was obviously the new app, um, which I don't have an Apple phone. I'm an Android guy. Um, that dates back to phones for you because we couldn't sell them. They went exclusively to O2, and we couldn't sell them. So. Uh, I don't have anything to do with them. Um, so it cost us a fortune in commissions, I'll tell you. Um, but what obviously they did mention that was going in, uh, you know, in the beta um, and the Android one would be coming soon. So I'm keeping my eyes peeled for that. Um, Looks good. Also, yeah, I think, I mean, it'll be a big, it's a game changer, I think. I mean, it, it depends how it works. Well, obviously we'll see it once it comes up. Um, so I can't really comment. We'll maybe put that in a future one, you know, in the coming weeks when we can actually have the functionality in our hands and see how that works. I think that'll be yeah. something we could do there. Um, and they also mentioned, obviously, the new designs. Um, lastly, so I'll put you on the spot. New designs, yeah or nay? Yeah. Oh, I'm a nay. I'm very much a nay. I, uh, I don't I... like change. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, the new cards, I mean, I... I, I I want to pick up uh, a couple of the J-League cards that I'd held off on just because of the percentages disappearing and what have you. But that font is just too big for the player's name. It doesn't need to be that thick. It doesn't need to be that big. Um, we spent a lot of time looking at fonts recently. Um, we were looking at things, but I don't think that font needs to be like that. But then, do you know what? In two weeks' time, it's the norm. And it's it's just another card. Do you know what I mean? But for me, it's just, at the moment, I think the font's a bit gaudy, but that's a beautiful thing about art. I said that to somebody on Twitter uh, yesterday or maybe even earlier today. Um, that's the beautiful thing about art. You know, we all have different tastes. Uh, what you like, I don't necessarily like. You're a United fan. I don't like them. I'm a Dundee fan. You don't like them. It's, you know, everybody's got their own taste in terms of what they what they like. And for me, it's a, at this moment, it's a nay, um, but it'll soon become just, another card i think the um i think the font is like you say uh, you know it's it's chunky and it's big mm. but in say maybe in comparison to the legend card fonts which i think are, i just think it's i think they look Time's awful Roman, isn't it? yeah absolutely <laughs> i think they look awful um but yeah there's certainly there's certainly at least i suppose what it is showing is that they are prepared to roll out change yeah um, I'm guessing that the design team has obviously thought long and hard about it before just rolling it out. Oh, they obviously course, yeah. think it's going to work. 
ultimately, there were people that couldn't care what it looks like because <laughs> it's got a 5% bonus on it or a, yeah. you know, or a 45% bonus if you've got a, a fatter wallet. Um, however, there are, you know, there are certainly the fundamentals of, of, of design on how it looks. Um, for some people, it, it, will, it will mean nothing. It's just a case of they're only interested in the, whether it's a green score or, a, or an orange score or, or a DNP. So... Yes. Yeah, lots and lots of things to look at. I think in the in the next coming weeks, um, yeah. we can. I think we'll probably be able to go back to our original plan for podcast yeah. one, which will end up being format. podcast two or three now. Yeah. Well, they're gonna, they're you want to just um, again just to reiterate, Chris, just as a final point. You know, this is I'm happy to sign off now, but just obviously we're we're looking to go weekly. Yeah, absolutely. Looking looking to go weekly. Most Thursday it'll be Thursday. Unless there's exceptional yeah. circumstances, I have got. Well, I don't personally have it. I might look like I have, but I've got a baby due in July. So if the baby comes on a Tuesday or it comes on a Tuesday or Wednesday where we would normally record, it might have to get pushed back or Russ has to fly solo. Um, it's got you know. Well, if things come up and one of us isn't available, there'll still be a podcast. It might be a solo. We might get a guest a guest host um, that week. Um, it's things we've talked about, so we want to keep it regular. We want to keep it, you know. Um, in the coming weeks, it will also be a video podcast that will be available on uh, my YouTube channel because, well, it's monetized, hands up, you know, so um, we, can, we can get a bit of revenue coming off that. But, um, yeah, so that, uh, the first couple are probably just going to be audio, um, and we'd love to hear feedback. Um, if you can get on the Twitter page, um, at a... VFTD pod. Um, I, just, I was doing the initials in my head. I know the FTD parts in there, which is my idea too, and it's uh, a derogatory term to my football team from years. And uh, but yeah, I think um, I'll put all the you know all the details um, on social media. We both are managing the the new Twitter account. Um, yeah. and we're probably going to set up a giveaway in the next couple of days to get the followers on there as well, so people can see. And listen to what we're what, what we've got to say. So um, yeah, I don't think I've got anything else to add today, Russell. Of uh, Russ, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to get used to that. Fifteen thank, years. <laughs> uh, just to thank everybody, thank everybody for listening, and um, hopefully you'll uh, tune in next week when we're maybe looking at um, potential uh, player fines and uh, summer bargains. Absolutely. So um, on behalf of Russ and myself, um, thank you so much to everybody that's made it to the end of the podcast, and we will. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, that'll be what? The third, no, the 7th, 7th of April. 7th of April. And uh, we're going to be discussing how our weeks have gone and the game weeks and much, much more as well. So take care, guys. We'll speak to you all again soon. 